Good afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And, you know, yesterday I forgot Lincoln's birthday. Uh, It was Abraham Lincoln's birthday yesterday, and I went off, just forgot all about it. So upset with myself. You know, it's it's no different than when I get on Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Facebook every day, you know. But when I get on... I'll scroll through and it, and I'll see so-and-so had a birthday yesterday or so-and-so had a birthday three days ago. Most of my happy birthday wishes on Facebook are belated. That's just, that's just how it is. Uh, you know, but I like to say happy birthday to people you know, when it's their birthday. And Facebook is so kind to let you know that it's their birthday. So a, a lot of times I'm I'm sending belated birthday wishes, much like today. Happy belated birthday to our 16th president, Honest Abe. Ah, where would we be without Abraham Lincoln? We would be, I don't know. I don't know where we'd be. It, it, it wouldn't be good, though, most likely. Most likely it would not be good. We are grateful for the 16th president. There are, uh, you know, there's just, there, there are things that, that we know about him, uh, you know, we know that friends and acquaintances called him Honest Abe, and we've heard the stories why. Uh, the the one, the one or two stories that really stick out in everybody's mind is, uh, as a boy in Indiana, he borrowed a book about George Washington from a neighbor. Uh, the na- the the neighbor's name was Josiah Crawford, and. Uh, he he would stick it in between, you know, the logs there and the log cabin. And, you know, one day after a storm, uh, rain water uh, ruined the book because that's where he had it stored. Uh, but Abraham Lincoln went straight to Crawford and owned up to what happened. And then he spent three days in Crawford's cornfield working to pay for the book because he's honest Abe. Uh, when Lincoln was a young storekeeper in New Salem, here's probably the other one. He accidentally shortchanged a customer by six and a quarter cents. And as soon as he discovered the error, he closed the shop and walked six miles to pay the money back because he's honest Abe. Uh, Lincoln's store was not a success. He and his partner, William Berry, went into debt trying to make a go of it. Uh, but the store winked out, as Lincoln put it. It just winked out. And it left Lincoln owing a great deal of money, especially after his partner, Barry, died. He could have done what so many others in similar situations did, and that's just, you know, pack up shop and head out west and start over. Uh, Lincoln did not pack up shop. He did not head out west, but he resolved to stay and pay his debt. For a young man of his means, it was a large burden. He called it, with grim humor, his national debt. Lincoln had a sense of humor on him, and it took him several years to pay it off. His reputation as a lawyer caused people to say he'll be fair and square. One time he forced a law partner to give back half the fee the man had charged a client. He said, that money comes out of the pocket of a poor, demented girl, and I would rather starve than swindle her. 
And it's no coincidence that one of our most beloved presidents was a man who held himself to the highest standards of truthfulness. I mean, wouldn't it be something if we had politicians today that held themselves to the highest standards of truthfulness? And what you may not know about Abraham Lincoln is he uh, was homeschooled. He did not go to a, uh, you know, a traditional schoolhouse. Lincoln learned at home. His stepmother, uh, you know, taught him well, taught him at home. And and I I think, you know, probably one of the things that that few people know about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, I I shouldn't say few people know. I mean, I I, I think it's probably something that that we don't think about. That you know, Abraham Lincoln was homeschooled, became a very good attorney, and 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 rose to the the highest political office in the country as a homeschool student. Um, President of the United States kept the Union together, pieced it together. But he was a man of honesty. Uh, he was a man who who believed in providence, as the founding fathers believed in, in providence. Lincoln, one of the things he wrote that uh, it never appeared in any of his public speeches. Uh, it it was found in his papers, it was dated January 1861. And it's probable that he was composing it while writing his first inaugural address. And it's it's just a small little um, little statement comparing the, the Declaration and the Constitution to Proverbs 25, verse 11. Proverbs 25 and 11 says this, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. You know, it's a it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful painting of golden apples in this beautifully adorned picture of of silver. This is a word fitly spoken. And Lincoln in this in this little writing here, he's he's comparing the Declaration and the Constitution to this proverb. He says this. All this is not the result of accident. He's referring to to the union. It has a philosophical cause. Without the Constitution and the union, we could not have attained the result. But even these are not the primary cause of our great prosperity. There is something back of these entwining itself more closely about the human heart. So he's saying there's even something more. There's something more than the Constitution and the Union. Well, and, and this didn't happen by accident. It had a philosophical cause, but there's something back of this, something more closely entwined with the human heart. That something, he says, is the principle of liberty to all. The principle that clears the path for all, gives hope to all, and by consequence, enterprise and industry to all. This liberty to this whole idea that liberty is for everybody. You know what? Even, even those that live in the country today, those among us who don't believe that it's for them, who don't believe the, the Constitution was written for them, or who they don't believe the Declaration was written for them, Lincoln says it was. 
and and this principle of liberty to all is is the principle that's cleared the path for all. It's cleared the path for every one of us. It gives every single one of us hope, and it gives us industry. It's it gives us the opportunity to make something of ourselves, to to get out there and 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 make a life, create an enterprise, create an an industry because we have this freedom to do it. All right, Lincoln continues. The expression of that principle in our Declaration of Independence was most happy and fortunate. Without this, we could have declared our independence of Great Britain, but without it, we could not, I think, have secured our free government and consequent prosperity. He's right. Uh, You know, we... um, Without liberty to all, we, we probably could have, you know, mustered the will and the strength to defeat Britain and you know in the way we did. But without this this principle that we all have freedom, that we all have liberty, Lincoln says, I, I don't think we would have been able to secure our free government and consequent prosperity. And and that's the, the mm, I think that's a fact. I think that's accurate. I mean, we we see how our freedoms are under assault today and and how our our quote unquote free government is slipping away from us. And in turn, prosperity is slipping away from us because of the assault on our freedoms. Lincoln continues, no oppressed, uh, I'm sorry, no oppressed people will fight and endure as our fathers did without the promise of something better than a mere change of masters. The assertion of that principle at that time, okay, liberty to all, the assertion of this principle at that time, liberty to all, was the word fitly spoken. And here's where he's drawing the comparison between the proverb. Liberty to all was the word fitly spoken, which has proved an apple of gold to us. The union and the constitution are the picture of silver subsequently framed around it. The picture was made not to conceal or destroy the apple, but to adorn and preserve it. The picture was made for the apple, not the apple for the picture. So when he says picture, he's talking about the frame. The frame, which is the union and the constitution, uh, was made for the, the apple which is that word fitly spoken. It's it's that word freedom, liberty for all in the declaration. Um, the, 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 the union in the constitution was made for that declaration. It's the frame that, that, that sets around it, that frames this whole idea of liberty, this whole idea of freedom, this whole principle that we can pursue whatever it is we go after. That's that's what the Constitution and the Union is is there to protect. It's there to preserve. And then uh, Lincoln ends it with this sentence. So let us act that neither picture or apple shall ever be blurred or bruised or broken. Our actions must demonstrate. And, and, And in our thoughts and in our words and in our actions, we must we must act in such a way that the Declaration and the Constitution and this whole idea of freedom and liberty for all will never be blurred 
bruised or broken. And it, it means we have to uh, we have to verbally speak our values. We have to verbally stand in support of it. And then this is the last sentence that we may so act, we must study and understand the points of danger. How can we act if we don't study and observe the points of danger? How can we act? How can we stand? And in Lincoln's words, he's saying, how can we stand in support of the Declaration and the Constitution, in support of this idea of freedom, if, if we don't know it, if we haven't studied it, and if we don't understand the points of danger? I think that that is... I think that's a must, and I think it has to be a part of our education as adults. Let me just talk to the adults here. I think as adults in America, we we have to rethink our education. I know I do. Um, I, it, I think it's important that as adults, we, we have to study, as Lincoln says. He says that we may so act, we must study. I think it's important that that we understand the Constitution. I think it's important that we read the Declaration. You can read the Declaration of Independence, you know, I don't know, at 10 minutes maybe, less. I mean, it's not very long. It's a quick read. Constitution a little longer, but but I think it's important not only that we read it, but that we study it. You know, what were the grievances in the Declaration? That were listed. Uh, you know what? What is so important about those grievances, and and how does that relate to us today? Are we still? Do we still have cause today to 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 complain or or verbalize those same grievances? I think this is very important for us to study and to understand the points of danger. If if we're studying the the declaration, let me just take the, the the declaration. If we're studying the Declaration of Independence, then it it might help us to understand the points of danger of, of those who are rising against it. Those who verbally say the declaration is not for everybody, the declaration isn't for me, it's not for my race or my my people, those who say that. It doesn't matter what color they are. I mean, you know, I'm sure white people probably say that too, white liberals. This represents points of danger because it becomes now an assault on freedom. Anyone who's going to stand and attack the Declaration of, of Independence is presenting an assault against freedom. And, you know, this is what Lincoln is warning us about. He's saying, how how can you understand the points of danger if you're not studying? And if you're not studying, how can you act? You know, I mean, this last sentence, I mean, in the sentence above it, he says, we have to act so that neither the picture or the apple shall ever be blurred, bruised, or broken. And then he says, but in order for us to act, we have to study to understand the points of danger. You know, Lincoln says that there there can't be any action really without study, because you have to know why you're acting. You have to understand the the cause for 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 your actions, 
And the only way to understand why you're acting to defend freedom is to understand the points of danger that are brought against it. That's, uh, that's a big deal. That, that um, And I think now more than ever, the, the words of Abraham Lincoln ring true in our hearts and minds today. The day after his birthday, uh, during this uh, belated birthday celebration to Abraham Lincoln, the, these words right here, are, are they carry a great deal of importance. And I just want to speak this to the adults out there. What are you studying? What does your study look like? What does your education look like? And does it include the Declaration of Independence? Does it include the Constitution? When is the last time you read the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence? I implore you to get in there and read it. Get in there, let's go. Let's get the Constitution read and the Declaration read so that we may act. Uh, we have to study and understand the points of danger. If we understand the points of danger, then uh, we will go a long way in in defending the country and defending the principles that the country was founded on uh, with you know, freedom being uh, one of those main foundational principles. All right, we're up against it. So happy belated birthday to Abraham Lincoln, a homeschooler that rose to the ranks of president, and, and we're grateful that he did. Okay, we'll pick this up on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. We are happy to have you on board, no matter how you're listening, whether it be live uh, at the world-class, using the world-class media player at americaoutloud.news or on the app. I love the app. You can get the app for your, your iPhone, your Android, your Alexa, or uh, you can find us on iHeartRadio. Of course, the show goes into podcasts the next day. So however you're listening, 
whether it be live or on the podcast networks. Uh, we're thankful that you are there. Thank you for being a part of the Outloud family. All right. So, uh, you know, we gave belated um, birthday wishes to Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president. There is the great debate who is the greatest president. It's usually a toss up between Lincoln and Washington. I've got to go with Washington because, it, you know, without him, there is no union. And then, you know, for me, it's a close second. Lincoln's a close second. I mean, it might even be a tie, but, you know, you've got to love Washington. And Lincoln was a homeschool student. That's the beauty of it. So we, uh, you know, we've been the last several weeks, actually, we've been talking about this quiet exodus from the public schools and this growth of of homeschools and, and this homeschool movement that's 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 really just on fire. I mean, the movement itself is growing. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we spoke with uh, Chrissy DeVigili from the Florida Citizens Alliance. That's a grassroots, grassroots organization in Florida that is really, um, you know, helping helping parents to, to navigate. You know, as they as they leave homeschools. I'm I'm sorry, as they leave public schools. What are their options? And if you're in Florida, uh, I encourage you to reach out to the, I want to get their name right, Florida Citizens Alliance. And, you know, they, 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 can, they can give you some help with that. They can give you some, you know, just some encouragement, some instruction, some, you know, ultimately there's got to be, I don't want to use the word safety net, but, but there has to be a place for these parents to land and they have to be, they have to feel safe and comfortable landing there. There is, you know, obviously they're leaving public schools and they're leaving for a particular reason. Um, I got the impression out of, as a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about Missouri and Kansas. It might've even been last week. I think it was the week before. And the fellow who is in charge of the homeschool registration there in Kansas, I forget his name. I quoted him, though. I quoted him from the article. And his comment was that after parents, you know, left uh, public schools and, you know, because of the pandemic, I mean, they were homeschooling because of the pandemic. And his comment was, you know, they just liked it and they just decided that they would stick around. And that might have been the case. You know, parents might have just realized, hey, you know, this is a lot better. Let's just keep homeschooling. Uh, however, I don't know that that's the case worldwide. I'm looking at this article out of England. Uh, Bedford, actually, is the town. It says hundreds of Bedford children were educated at home in the last academic year, figures show. Data suggests the number of homeschooled children has increased since the coronavirus pandemic across England, although figures are incomplete. Department of Education statistics show around 410 children were voluntarily taught at home in Bedford in the last school year, the 2022-2023 school year. Um, across the country, around 97,600 children were homeschooled. Separate figures from the Office of the Schools 
adjudicators suggest there were 60,000. So you know, we've got conflicting r- reports coming out of England, but but that's not the point. This next paragraph is the point. It says, but it appears COVID is not behind the rise. COVID is not the reason for this massive increase in homeschooling. The largest reason for children being withdrawn from schools, are you ready for this? Was for philosophical reasons, bum, 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 of which 15,800 parents had chosen to do so. Philosophical reasons. Uh, We just, you know, it's not that it was because of the pandemic. It's not because, you know, we thought, yeah, this homeschooling, this isn't so bad. I mean, this is kind of nice. I think I'm going to keep doing it. That That's not, I mean, that might be the case for some. But that's not the case for the majority. For the majority, it boils down to philosophical reasons. We, uh, we, we, we've got philosophical differences here. And and I don't I haven't seen any reports or any study like that done here in America, but it's my prediction that we would find the same thing. That the the increase in homeschooling, my prediction, is for philosophical reasons. It's not just for the enjoyment. I mean, it might be for some, but I think you know, for most, I doubt that it's just because of the enjoyment. No, I, I think it's because. Uh, as Alex Newman said last week, we spoke to Alex Newman last week, I think Wednesday, that show aired. And Alex said the building is on fire. I mean, he drew this analogy of the school building on fire and parents have got to get their kids out. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing parents coming to the realization that their their school building is on fire and they've got to get their child out. And they're going to get their child out. They're going to keep their child out. Uh, We are seeing, I think, a statistic I read yesterday said that we're we're looking at a 27% increase in homeschooling. I wish I could remember the the time frame, but the increase was 27%. My friends, that that is a a good number. That is a good percentage. That's a decent chunk. 27% increase. I think in that same report since 2019, since the pandemic, home, the homeschooling percentage has doubled. Um, and it, again, it's my prediction that it has doubled and we are seeing this, this large percentage rise in homeschooling is for philosophical reasons. I mean, it's simply because parents are tired of, of of what is happening in public schools. And it's it's why I talk about it a lot. It really is. It's why I talk about uh, the gender issues in public schools. It's why I talk about uh, the, the 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 lying, the hiding, the deceit that that many of these um, public school buildings are engaging in. It's why I talk about parental rights. It's why I talk about you know, court cases that have to do with this. That's why I talk about the medical industry that has to do with this, because the more we talk about it, the more parents' eyes will become open to it. And and the more, you know, I think there's this, there's this general opinion out there that uh, that parents 
have that it's all the other public schools, you know, they're the problem, but but not mine. My district is fine. There's those other districts out there. It's in those districts in California and far left Oregon and you know, Illinois and Chicago, those districts are the problem. Colorado, I mean that, you know, th- that's that's an issue. And we tend to ignore what's happening in our own backyard, or we tend to, you know, put on the the, the blinders to what's happening in our own backyard, or just bury our head in the sand as to what's happening in our own districts. But the more we talk about it, the more we we make it aware that the more we continue to keep it part of the public discourse, then it's my hope that parents will start to question their own districts. That might wake parents up to to begin to, you know, figure out what's happening in in the school district that they know and love. But but let's go do some investigating. You know, let's find out, are they are they doing anything with this group called Woke Kindergarten? Are, you know, are they, is Woke Kindergarten uh, participating in teacher training events in any of your, you know, schools in your district? I, I think that's, not only is that a question we should ask, and, you know, you can get that specific and, and refer to Woke Kindergarten, you know, but ultimately, I think we need to find out who is doing the 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 training of our teachers. What does professional development look like in your district? I mean, it's just a simple question to ask. You know, call up the the school office and just say, "Hey, who's in charge of professional development?" And you know, what kind of professional development do the teachers receive at at my elementary school or middle school or high school? Who is coming in and speaking into the lives of the teachers? Because chances are, whoever is speaking into the lives of the teachers, uh, they're having an effect on the teachers. You know, are they using a gender unicorn when they come in and speak to the teachers? I mean, we've talked about that. You know, that situation in Oregon where they, uh, I don't know if it might have been Boise, Idaho. Quite frankly, I don't remember now because we've, we've talked about so much. I think it was Idaho, actually, where they paid like twenty six grand to have some company come in and 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 professionally develop their staff and teach them how to how to utilize the the gender unicorn. And of course, this this group in the San Francisco Bay Area woke kindergarten. They got paid a quarter of a million dollars over over three years. It's big money. I mean, if you're doing staff development, that's big money. Um, you know, but I guess you've got to be developing the teachers and, and filth and garbage and lies in order to get paid. And and who wants to, who wants that, right? Who wants that? Well, these are questions, I, I, and this is why we talk about it because it's my hope that these questions will come up in in the minds of parents, and they'll just get on the phone and they'll just make a phone call. I I believe that that's what's happening. I believe that this. This exodus we are seeing from the public schools is an exodus for philosophical reasons. I wish somebody would do some research out there, some doctoral student, to make this your your thesis that the the great public school mass exodus is one because of philosophical reasons. Let's make that the hypothesis. Let's test the theory. Let's get out there and study this. Uh, I have um, commissioned one of you to do this. One of you must do this. 
like the fellowship of the ring meeting. It's just my it's my prediction. It's my opinion and my prediction that that's that's what's happening. Uh, but you love to see it. You love to see parents open up their eyes. I, I do anyway. I, I just I love to see the eyes opening, and I just love to see just this quiet. You know, uh, I just sometimes it's fun just to go to the map and just you know pull up a city and find the elementary school and look at the uh, uh, the enrollment decline just because it, right then and there you realize parents in that city their eyes are opening. Why else would you pull your child from an elementary school? All right, maybe it's because you're moving, uh, but I don't know that twenty percent of the people are moving from a, a city in, in one fell swoop. I mean, because that's what's happening. You you only get to make it to the map if your school has a 20% or greater enrollment loss. Again, the map is divided by, uh, or divided by, it's provided by the 74. I think the website is uh, the 74million.org. And you can go and you can find the map there. And again, this isn't necessarily a, a right-leaning uh, organization, you know, the 74 isn't, but they, um, they've they got this uh, exclusive data, thousands of schools at risk of closing due to enrollment loss. And it's my, uh, it's my opinion, it's my take that that enrollment loss is for philosophical reasons. Now, I'm holding this article here entitled homeschoolers may need less instructional time than traditional school students this article is fascinating if you have not i mean if, if you're still on the fence and you're deciding mm, should i homeschool should i not i just uh, after i go over this article with you I, I think this might this might be the thing that pushes you over the fence to be like okay let's give this a shot um the first paragraph alone is, you know, it says many parents find homeschooling appealing because it gives them flexibility when designing their children's learning experience. That alone, that opening, that opening sentence. So just think about the flexibility that you have as a, as a homeschool mom or dad. And, and you can design your child's learning experience. It doesn't have to be, you know, a one size fits all. It doesn't have to be a, you know, Everybody gets the same lunch in this box sort of thing, because that's kind of what the public education conveyor belt is all about. Uh, you know, everybody's going to get the same thing at the same time because they're in this particular grade. Well, it's not even public education. That is education across the board, whether it be, you know, a private school, a public school, you know, whatever. But homeschool families, and now they get this flexibility. And and they can design this this whole thing tailor made to the child's learning experience or what the child you know wants to do. Now there's going to be standard things. All right, you're going to obviously you want to teach your child to read and you want to teach them to write. You want to teach them math, but how you go about that is just that's where the flexibility comes in. Uh, the article says this often results in shortened school days. But these abbreviated days can conflict with state laws that require full-length school days, as well as the goals of well-meaning officials who want 
to ensure that students make enough progress. So if you are thinking about homeschooling, it's important that you you check with your state you know state laws to determine is there a particular number of hours you have to log. Uh, you, you, you know, is there are there things you have to record? You have to fill out paperwork with the Department of Education or even with the local school district logging the number of hours you spent. Man, that might be the case. Now, this article talks about how unfortunate that would be because oftentimes homeschool students uh, are able to get in uh, more work than public students and get that in in, in less than half the time. Uh, it's just, it's fascinating uh, how this is set up. The article, uh, the article says uh, the instructional differences between traditional classrooms and homeschools show that homeschools can accomplish standard progress in smaller amounts of time. And a lot of that is because of the flexibility you have, number one. And number two, because of the, the captive audience. You've got, you know, you're sitting there at the kitchen table and you've got a captive audience, uh, you know, right after breakfast. Let's get in there. Let's go. Let's make this thing happen. Uh, so uh, we're up against the break, but I want to uh, I want to dive into this article on the other side because it's full of some some interesting facts and tidbits. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. When God, through his grace and mercy, gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at AmericaOutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Asiya believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our Redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use CoFixRx because it works. Back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. So we are... We're diving into uh, to the homeschool option here. What if? What if you decide to homeschool? You've got options. You've got flexibility. And we're, we're talking about this article here 
<clears throat> right now that is entitled homeschoolers may need less instructional time than traditional school students. I'm fascinated by this. Uh, for example, the article says, in a well-known study by Stanley and Greenwood, researchers directly observed 100 randomly selected fourth grade students in four schools in Kansas City over the course of the entire school day. They tracked how long individual students were engaged in strategic learning behaviors, which include actively reading, writing, or talking about the subject matter. All right. So we just, you know, we go to Kansas City and we randomly select fourth grade students, 100 of them. And we're going to, to track throughout the school day. We're going to we're going to track how long each each of these students are engaged in strategic learning behaviors. Well, what are strategic learning behaviors? And they they define what they're looking for in a strategic learning behavior. There's three things. Is the student actively reading the subject matter? Is the student writing about the subject matter? Is the student talking about the subject matter, all right? What, what's this engagement? This is the definition of student engagement, all right? They, in their study, they they give the school day 400 minutes, all right? That's six and a half hours, roughly. They say out of a 400-minute school day, the public schools in this study here in Kansas City set aside 250 minutes for academic instruction. All right, so the school day is six and a half hours long. Out of that six and a half hours, the school sets, sets aside four hours for academic instruction. Right. So right there, right, right off the top, a homeschool family can, can peel away two and a half hours of 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 the school day. Well, is your child in school from from seven to three? I mean, that would be eight hours. So, is your child in school from eight to two thirty? I mean, that would be closer to six and a half, right? Because that's the school day. Your child has to be in school from eight o'clock to two thirty, or there's not enough learning going on. Now, uh, they have to ride the bus to get there, so there's another. 30 minutes there and back. So there's an extra hour to the day and that's an appropriate school day. All right. So this is, this is the things that we hear. A six and a half hour school day. Four of those hours are set aside for academic instruction. And this is where it gets interesting. All right. So during that, uh, during the four hours of academic instruction, there should be um, active reading, active writing, or talking about the subject matter. You've got four hours, all right? So you got math, English, history, and science, okay? If each is an hour, well, then you've only got four subjects. So each probably isn't an hour, maybe 45 minutes, let's say, because you're going to throw in some other, some other something or other, um, uh, you know, whether it be music or or gym, or, you know, art class, or one of the other classes, okay? So um, you got four hours set aside during which the students 
manifested, you ready for this? They didn't manifest uh, important learning behaviors for the full four hours. No. The study revealed that the public school students manifested, here's the quote, important learning behaviors for only 67 and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, ready? Are you sitting down for this? Which uh, breaks out to about, about 16 minutes per hour. 16 minutes per hour. You've got four academic hours set aside in this particular public school. 16 minutes per hour the student spent actively reading, actively writing, uh, actively talking about uh, and or otherwise actively engaged in the subject matter. 16 minutes an hour. I don't even know what to do with that. I don't even know what to do with that information. What What's happening the other 45 minutes? I mean, is it playtime? Are they watching YouTube videos? Uh, I, now, after 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 reading this, are we are we shocked? Are we surprised that two thirds of the students in this country are not proficient in math? Are we surprised that, I don't know what the percentage is. I mean, it's low. I'm going to throw out 15%. It might even be lower than that. Are we surprised that 15% of the kids are not proficient in history? Okay, who, who's in charge? Who's in charge in, in, in this public school in particular? I, I want to know who's running this show here. Uh, you, you know, I don't know. It just... 67 minutes, all right, so an hour out of the four-hour academic day, you know, what? Well, what's happening the other three hours, okay? The other 45 minutes, that turns into three hours, of, um, okay? Uh, this, of course, represents a very inefficient, uh, these, these are the words of the article, this represented, undoubtedly, this represented a very inefficient use of classroom time. Yeah, you better believe it did. An inefficient use of classroom time. Are, are you interested in this? Does this intrigue you? Does this make you want to, to call your public school and, and ask them, hey, uh, you know, could I, could I come and just sit in a class? And they might not let you. You know, we we had a, a, a mom who I spoke to at the beginning of this school year. They just, you know, they just enrolled their second grader, I think. And, you know, she was telling me at the beginning of the year when, when, uh, when we met, she said they, the public school wouldn't let me come in. I couldn't come in the building. It uh, and, I, and that frustrates me because I want to come in the building. I want to know what's going on. So they might not let you come in. But if they let you come in, it would be interesting just to go in and sit in the back of the room and just become a you know a wallflower and set your set your timer on your phone just and just see and just make notes. How long is the instruction? You know what type of of 
engaged strategic learning behavior is taking place? Okay, how many minutes are they actively reading, writing, or talking about the subject matter? Now I get it's going to vary, you know, from grade to grade, uh, you know, because of attention capabilities, you know, depending on how old the student is. But this was this was a you know a random fourth grade class. You know, they randomly selected fourth grade students. They chose four schools in Kansas City. This just wasn't one school. They selected four schools from from the fourth grade and they just randomly chose students. And they and they followed them and they observed. And they they watched the engagement happen or or the engagement not happen, as the case may be. And their study shows that, you know, out of a four-hour academic day, they only were engaged for 67 minutes, 16 minutes per hour. All right. Now, in contrast, the article continues. In contrast, two studies comparing the effectiveness of homeschool and public school instruction across a variety of grades and demographics found that the same learning behaviors occurred between two and two and a half times as often in homeschools as they did in public school classrooms. Didn't matter the grade, didn't matter the demographic. All right, this was a variety. And they discovered that two and two to two and a half times uh, more often, these learning behaviors, these 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 learning behaviors that show signs of the student being engaged, they they occur two to two and a half times more often because the homeschool students demonstrated significantly more learning behavior during instruction. Oh, okay. So while, so you mean to tell me that during instruction, the homeschool student is actually paying attention act and they're actively reading or writing or talking about the subject matter during the actual instruction uh, oh okay oh i mean that makes sense don't you have this this visual of of a public school classroom you know just think of the movies think of the way hollywood treats it and the teachers up there teaching and and maybe she has her back to the class and she's writing on the chalkboard or maybe she's you know facing the class and she's reading a text and you just look and you see you know the students gazing out the window daydreaming not paying attention or passing you know notes to one another you know just doing something else doing something other than actually being engaged with the teacher and with the content material but if you're sitting at the kitchen table, it's kind of hard to to pass the note, you know, to your sister or your brother with mom sitting right there or dad sitting right there. It's kind of hard, hard to, to gaze and daydream out the window with mom and dad sitting right there. So not only do you have more flexibility with your time, mom and dad, but there's more control. You, you certainly have a greater opportunity to say, hey, hey Johnny, pay attention. You know, in a, in a public school teacher might not have that that opportunity to maybe she doesn't want to call little Johnny out who's sitting in the back, you know, daydreaming out the window. She might not want to embarrass him. 
I mean, there, there's a, a host of reasons, a plethora of, of reasons. Uh, but the, the, the article says that it was unsurprising that they made homeschool students, that they made more academic gains than the public school students based upon, upon these numbers. Uh, a more recent study of third and fourth graders by Duvall affirmed these findings. So these, these studies are being duplicated and others are finding the same thing, that uh, homeschool students are being more engaged with the content material and they're being more engaged in less time. The article continues, notably the Duvall study, which compared students who had been homeschooled for a long time with first-time homeschoolers, found only small differences in the levels of important learning behaviors that occurred between the two groups, indicating that a lack of homeschooling experience had little effect on the parent's ability to create an effective instructional environment. And this should be encouraging to those of you that are thinking about branching out. Uh, you know, lack of experience uh, is not going to, to dictate effectiveness here. Uh, though the Duval study was not specifically designed to make homeschool versus public school comparisons, Duval employed the same methods Stanley and Greenwood used to measure students' learning behaviors and substantiated the finding observation that homeschool students can be more frequently engaged in strategic learning behaviors than the public school students in the Stanley and Greenwood study. More importantly, because increasing students' engagement in these learning behaviors almost always results in more academic gains, which makes sense. If the, if the student is going to uh, be actively reading more, there's going to be more academic gains. If they're going to be actively writing or talking about the content more, it, it stands to reason that the academic grant gains would be higher. Uh, we can infer that homeschool students can learn as much or even more than their public school counterparts in far less time. Bum, bum, bum. Research conducted to date makes it apparent that the level of student learning behaviors that occur in homeschools and traditional classrooms is indeed very different. These studies have consistently found high levels of these strategic learning behaviors in every homeschool observed. Doesn't matter the homeschool. These, these strategic learning behaviors uh, are, 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 being, are being observed. And what are they? Actively reading, actively writing, or actively talking about the subject matter. There's actual instruction going on, and there's actual comprehension taking place, which you know, apparently, you know, might not be happening in the public schools. Um, the findings in the Duvall study suggest that in as little as two hours, homeschoolers can engage in the same amount of strategic learning behavior as public school students experience in an entire school day. Two hours versus an entire school day. Now, the entire school day is six and a half hours, and they set aside four hours for academic learning, but they're actually only engaged in acad academic learning in 67 minutes. 
This is why you can take a, a homeschool student and in as little as two hours, uh, you know, they can they can learn and understand and comprehend leaps and bounds more than the public school student because they're actually only two hours at the kitchen table. They're actually spending an hour more engaged in the in the subject matter. That's huge. Uh, considering that a significant majority of homeschooling families extend their school day well beyond two instructional hours, it helps explain why many homeschool students score well above average on year-end achievement tests because they are uh, they're engaged more, they're locked in more, they're spending, they're actually spending more time in in the in the subject matter in two hours than a public school student is spending uh, while being at school all day long for six and a half hours. This to me is groundbreaking. This is a big deal. And, um, you know, so if you, uh, if, if you're comprehending it, if you're, uh, if you're thinking about it, if you're, um, if you're on the verge of making the move, maybe this, this bit of information might push you over the edge. Um, it's, it's, it's good news. It really is. And it, it makes sense to me. All right. We're up against the end of the day. That's all the time we have for today, America. We will pick the conversation up tomorrow. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's list. Let's unite to renovate the age.